Perfection. Radio Play, an oft-ridiculed frontier. It all started when a remote programming experiment some community radio station on the central coast of California was conducting went a little caca. Their names are Gall, Moses, and Ted. They're lost, aren't we all? One of them owns an astronaut costume, shot through a wormhole for the sake of narrative explanation. Anyway, here they are, bouncing around speculative fiction thematic time and space, rather timidly going where many a man has gone before. These are the voyages of the Incompanats. Interior swirling void, the nexus of time and space. Four masses of indeterminate shape bound recklessly about in featureless space. Ah, abiogenesis, wave particle duality, quarks. They mumble fitfully. I am Arthur Frayne and I am Zardos. I have lived 300 years and I long to die. They flail mindlessly. Meow and shalom, comrades. This is an empirically non-fiction show about Jews and cats. Time and space begin to fold in on themselves, threatening to consume our murmuring shapes. Inertia is a property of matter. Force equals vast acceleration. The sound of a maniacal laugh penetrates through the nothingness. (laughs) One of the masses begins to congeal and take a familiar Moses-like shape. Wait, I... I recognize that voice. A ship. A spaceship. Gaul, Ted, wake up! We gotta get out of here! I'm allowed to make anti-Semitic jokes. I swear. Gaul and Ted's bodies flicker in and out of consciousness. Snap out of it! Something's gone wrong. We've got to get to Brian. Gaul and Ted slowly return to form. What? Where are we? Looks like the nexus of time and space. But that can only mean one thing. That's right, Ted. Somebody tried to write a satirical comedy sketch about the very concept of comedy itself, therefore eroding the fabric of the universe. Who would do something so evil? My bad. Didn't think it would go this wrong. You live, you learn. Well, gotta go! And with that, Brian jumps on a space motorcycle, donning a shiny black helmet. The words bad guys stenciled in gold on his leather jacket fade with him as he makes a beeline into space. Oh, Brian, what are we gonna do with you?
Boy, howdy. Hi, boy, howdy. My name's Gall, and I don't hate myself <laughs> at all. <laughs> uh, it's funny how much of our show starts out, how many of our shows start out with dumb, real laughter, and it's good for, for once they should start out with some dumb, fake laughter. Hi, hi, everybody. How's it going? This is Last Refuge of the Incompetent. We are a sci fi and speculative fiction show. My name's Gall. I my name I is that. Moses. <laughs> yeah. Moses. I'm Ted. Ted. And we've got a very special professional paid comedian guest on, Scarlett Meyer. Hello. To be clear, <laughs> we're not paying this comedian. No. No. No, 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 no. We're not. Extremely unpaid most of the time. <laughs> including right now. Well, that's because this show's, this, this week's show's theme. This The theme this week for this show is... <laughs> Timing. Paid comedians. <laughs> the weekly show, today's... The theme of it, now, <laughs> this week, in this the show, I, thematically. I just watched, I just watched um, the, what's the forehead one? The Trail the, of the Screaming Forehead. Trail of the Screaming Forehead, and the, the, like, the big guy that's a sa- sailor character. Oh, uh, like Sailor Dan, I think. <laughs> yeah, that's like how he talks, so. Yeah. <laughs> the show's theme is comedy. Jokes, people, Ooh. if you didn't get that yet. Come on. Jokey, jokey, funny, funny. Comedy and sci-fi, not just Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, although we all read that when we were 10, right? You know when I read that for the first you time? You had to. No, I didn't read it until I graduated from college, it's like Ooh. backpacking around Alaska. Because when you're hitchhiking, that's the only time that you should be reading it, reading it the way it was intended. But there's other jokes in sci-fi and <laughs> speculative fiction out there. So or we're... sci-fi and jokes. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Ted. So we're going to wing it. We couldn't yeah. settle on like three or four things, so we're just going to talk about whatever we feel like. We're going to talk about whatever we feel like. Probably not going to say anything profound. You'll enjoy some clips. The music is question mark. And I hope you have a good time. Deepest pool of deepest blue shall swim to you. Morning never waits for you. Shall wait for What's you. up, listeners? This is a podcast edit of a radio show that airs live off the central coast of California every Saturday, 6 p.m. Pacific. So what that means is that we've got music, we've got clips, and we've got a bunch of cool stuff on the radio show that we have to edit out for the podcast version because, you know, it's just legal, legal mumbo-jumbo. Anyway, normally I would say keep listening. The podcast edit is also really cool to listen to because we talk about stuff that we research really heavily and you might learn something. This week, I would say, why don't you listen to the Mixcloud version? Just go to Mixcloud.com, type in Last Refuge of the Incompetent. You don't even have to download an app for your computational device unless you want to. And the reason I'm saying that is because this week's episode is a stream of consciousness conversation about all things comedy sci-fi. We're not taking ourselves too seriously. We're just kind of bouncing around, going from place to place. And the meat of the episode is all the really great clips and music that we intersperse throughout it. So I'm not saying don't continue listening to this episode. Uh, I enjoy the sound of my voice, so I would keep listening. I'm just saying you might enjoy the Mixcloud version just a bit better. Anyway, so long and thank you for all the fish.
one of the things we thought of is uh, Red Dwarf, a British sci-fi show from a while ago, early 90s. Did it start in the late 80s? Late 80s. I think it, funnily enough, I think it started almost the same year as Next Generation. 1988 <laughs> to 1999. That's a long time. Yeah, and it's a funny show. Well, you know, it's a British show, so every series has four episodes and they're every two and a half years uh, series airs. Anyway, it's still, watch them all. Go for it. I first watched them on a, probably I think it was a PBS fund drive and they were just oh, playing a big marathon of... Yeah, absolutely. Back in the 90s, every single PBS fund drive, just Red Dwarf. And if you would like an idea of, instead of describing the plot, you know, it's in space and there's some slobs in space, I guess is the, the other thing. But my favorite joke that really captures the whole aesthetic of the show is, we need to go to Red Alert. Are you absolutely sure, Captain? It does mean changing the bulb. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah okay so i have never joke. i've never watched red dwarf and i watched an episode today and is it for children it's for children right <laughs> <laughs> it's got a few i mean it's yeah it's not highbrow comedy i don't know it's yeah, got it, jokes it's for a british television audience so who can tell the difference <laughs> it has a cat character like a cool cat like a fish is he a cat he's a cat oh, he's I'm a cat a recovered memory of just watching it and being like but why is this happening right so <laughs> what the, did we the, do to deserve this the the premise is a guy who works on a mining ship and he's a schlub uh and also a janitor anyway he just falls in a cryo sleep for whatever ten thousand years by accident wakes up everyone else on the crew is gone uh and so his only friends left are a cat who has evolved into a humanoid and he's the cool guy and uh, the computer, an android, or sorry, the computer, and also an android, and also a hologram of the last person he saw on who was his roommate. The computer decided that was his best friend, even though it was the guy he hated the most. And so it's a real odd couple situation. Absolutely. Douglas Adams was friends with the guys who wrote it also. And I think he may have written either one or two episodes or collaborated on one or two novelizations. Like there are a bunch of Red Dwarf novels that the writers also wrote because it's just jokes in space. It's great. <laughs> well, I was going to say that you texted us about a show that you thought was a British sitcom and so well, not, I, I don't know if i'd even call it a sitcom from what oh. little i've seen of it it just seems like it's sort of a comedy but not a sitcom weird <laughs> just, yeah. yeah so i like was like i don't know what you're talking about so i like looked online i was just typed in british british sci-fi sitcoms and there are so many british sci-fi sitcoms lost to history um, it seems that's one thing i will put we're not going to talk about that because there's so many of them but i will post on our website if you want like a list of a bunch of probably maybe funny maybe in the same caliber as red dwarf <laughs> But yeah, we, we, you, the other one that you were thinking of was Lex, right? Yeah, Ted. Lex. Which right, Moses, you've seen some of that at least. I've seen, I've saw, I watched every episode of Lex as it aired back when it was a sci-fi original show, a uh, collaboration between German and Canadian production companies and actors. Uh, and that show is pretty wacky. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, yeah, it's funny. It's, I guess it's not, it's not sitcom funny, but it's, it's funny in that it doesn't, take itself that seriously although sometimes it does like it doesn't break the fourth wall it just it's also it's a pretty horny show also <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean thing to know going in to lex 
with two X's. From what I can tell, the characters are flying around in a giant space phallus. Is that yeah. what it is? <laughs> well, it's an insect, but it's shaped. There's no. It's not trying to pretend to be anything but phallic. Is it just unapologetically German? Yeah, German. Or is it Canadian. what you, well, it, you put Germans and Canadians together? It's, so it's apologetically German. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The main. All right. The yes. characters of Lex are uh, a, a sad sack guy named Stanley Tweedle, who uh, it's it's a horny show. So his whole deal is he can't get laid. And then there is a. A uh, love slave, Zev Bellringer, uh, who was programmed to please, but then she overcomes her programming. But she's super hot, so everyone is trying to get with her. But she's like, no, I don't like you guys. You guys are jerks. And then the one guy she does like is an undead assassin who, of course, has no emotions or sexuality <laughs> at all. And there's a robot head who ended up with all the love slave brainwashing programming. And so it's in love with Zev. And we just go on a bunch of wacky adventures together that ends up destroying one entire universe. I just wanted to say... I we discussed one or two episodes ago that Gaul scripts this whole show, so I just wanted to thank you for giving me that seemingly impromptu punchline. It's <laughs> nice of you to put that in the script for me. The Apollo, yeah, you're welcome. I mean, it's I'm... a little, it's a little self-serving to also write this thank you to you into it, but and I, I think you might be going a little too meta with my lines right now. Oh God, this is this has to end. I need to end it. I need to kill it. Um. <laughs> Scarlett, what's your favorite sci-fi comedy? Uh, Galaxy Quest, by oh, far. Oh, yeah. So yeah. good. So good. So good. I can watch that. I don't, there's not a lot of movies that I can watch over and over again. I tend to be like, I've done, thank you. Moving on. And I can watch Galaxy Quest over and over again and still find it amusing. Did you see the Sorry. documentary about it? No, I haven't. No. <laughs> yeah, there's a documentary right now. I don't know. I think it. It's maybe fairly recent they came out. I know more than I need to know about Galaxy Quest because of this documentary. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what is the amount of information that you do need to know need to know about Galaxy Quest? <laughs> well, I what I did learn is that that it it kind of like was supposed to be a, mu- a much more adult movie, but the studio decided they wanted to like market it f- to kids. I'm trying to remember what had just came out beforehand. There's like human alien sex in it. How's that like? Well, that's why there's still some like stuff in there that's like, that's why it didn't do as well as it could um, have done because they were selling, like the trailer for it apparently was like, this is for your, bring your child to this fun goofball of a movie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised how much that happens with movies. Like they don't really know who they're trying to like make it for and then it just sort of like goes in between the like cracks of like ticket right, sales. A certain certain level of focus grouping that gets yeah. done and then it just it almost might make you think that hollywood studios are run by coked up financiers who <laughs> <laughs> know nothing about cinema cinema uh yeah you you're probably thinking of never surrender a galaxy quest documentary from 2019 yeah i am absolutely thinking about know. that right for the 20th anniversary just in time. That film came out in 1999. There are a lot of people that, like, really love Galaxy Quest. Okay, if you don't know what Galaxy Quest is, <laughs> it's kind of like, let's say, if Star Trek was real. The original Star Trek was real. Well, it's aliens what? pick up a bunch of old Star Trek reruns over the radio waves and yeah. assume it's real. And so they want to make contact with humans. So they build all their space technology in the same shape as Star Trek and then uh, abduct the <laughs> actors. And then the <laughs> actors lose their minds. Well, it's kind of also like a love letter to oh, total fandom, just and all to fandom, stuff. basically. Yeah. And that's why people are really into it. Because the fans, the, the uber fans that the Star Trek, the galaxy quest actors are originally making fun of 
they like save the day. Yeah, and Tony Shalhoub makes out with a tentacle lady. It's great. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a film that makes great use of its cast. Tony oh Shalhoub, uh, Alan Rickman, Sigourney oh. Weaver. Oh, okay. And, you know, it's, uh, it's a great use oh, of... Oh, Sam Rockwell's in it, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Sam Rockwell. And, yeah, it's a great use of uh, Tim Allen. So <laughs> so that's the other thing. You're calling him learned... just a tool. <laughs> hey! In the box, in the box of this. Tool him in America. One of the things that you learn from the documentary is that Alan Rickman did not appreciate Tim Allen. <laughs> because Tim, Tim Allen was like, we're just here to have fun, man. And Alan Rickman was like, I'm an actor. I'm so he was just literally his character. That's amazing. <laughs> that dynamic reminds me a little bit of the thing from Batman Forever where Tommy Lee Jones told oh, yeah. uh, Jim Carrey that he... <laughs> Cannot, could not sanction his tomfoolery. <laughs> Sorry, that's amazing. That's, yeah, that was an active, active thing. Like, I can't believe that. Jim Carrey goes up to him and says, hey, I really like you. And Tom says, I cannot sanction your buffoonery. And then they never <laughs> oh, yeah, speak again. <laughs> so it could have been, I don't know if it was buffoonery or tomfoolery, but. Uh, buffoonery sounds more correct. <laughs> I uh, love actors uh, being terrible to them, <laughs> each other's stories. It's really like, just like a good, bad coworker story. Another good one. It's less a like serious actor and comedic actor thing, but I think it's from Marathon Man, where Dustin Hoffman was trying to do, was doing very method, and uh, Laurence Olivier just asked him, have you tried acting? Um, Well, speaking of acting, I watched for the first time The Lost Skeleton of Cadavra today and The Trail of the Screaming Forehead. I really want to see Screaming Forehead. That looks super weird. Yeah, I haven't seen that one. I watched the skeleton one on Ted's recommendation years ago and loved it. So the guy, what's his name? It's like... Larry Blameyer. Yeah, he's he was like a cartoonist for a while. Then he started writing, I think, plays, comedic plays in like the Boston theater scene, maybe? Well, these movies are, they're just like love letters to that particular genre, because they are to the, like, you know, cheesy 1950s sci-fi. Um, the The Movies. <laughs> yeah. Trail of the Screaming Forehead is almost exactly like the blob it's very the blobby it's definitely that genre of yeah a alien species comes to earth and starts taking people over does that one have a you know 30 year old playing a 15 year old (laughs) yeah it's the same actors so (laughs) steve mcqueen (laughs) he did have he there's two like cameos on that one of like famous 50s B-movie actors. Yeah, one so of them cool. is named, like, Kevin McCarthy or something like yeah. that. Yeah, and the other the... one is Brian Miller, I think. Steve yeah, I don't know who those people are. <laughs> yeah. Not Steve McQueen. Yeah, for me, Lost Skeleton is, I guess, like Galaxy Quest for You, a movie I can just rewatch endlessly. Very quotable. I, th- I think I said this exact same thing when I mentioned it in our The Those episode. Like, the parodying, the ridiculousness of 50s sci-fi B-movies has, has been done before, but Larry Blameyer just writes, he writes words in the exact wrong way, <laughs> in a way that nobody else quite does. My favorite as a kid, and I think I've mentioned this before, every 
kid that had to go to Hebrew school at some point in time watched Spaceballs on the reg. Of course. When they didn't, then when they were like, we don't know what to play. We don't know what to teach you today. Oh, gotcha. Like a substitute teacher movie, like the (laughs) go-to. Yeah. We're going to play Spaceballs. It is your cultural patrimony. So obviously I know a lot about Mel Brooks. If you don't know what Spaceballs is, you should check out Spaceballs. You might not like it if you've never heard of it. Yeah, it's not... It's a comedy from the producer of Solar Babies. Um. (laughs) Scarlett, have you seen Spaceballs? Weirdly, I haven't. Like, I know, like, I have enough, like, I don't know, like, it's like one of those movies where it's like, I've seen enough clips from it that I get the gist. I know it's like a parody of Star Wars, but I've just never gotten around to, like, watching the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, it's for, if you're, like, 13, you're gonna love it. (laughs) (laughs) For underage listeners, um, (laughs) you just discovered your favorite movie from 30 years ago. Our kids these, our kids today, kids today this is a new section of the show kids today yeah. our kids today watching space balls yeah is is space balls poggers what <laughs> i don't know what that means i'm like i am not probably are, not using that word correctly are you trying to say pog no pog? poggers come on what's poggers it's ah, you have not been watching yeah. uh alexandria ocasio cortez's instagram live instagram yeah, feed have you it's zoomer lingo that you're not what is to. a pogger we're not it's, no, it's we like don't get it's to more know. of an adjective. It's an adjective. Okay, so what does pogging mean? <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> that's, that's a verb. I have the ability. I'm, I'm getting the sense Google. you might not know. Yeah. If something is poggers, then it's yeah. kind of like it's. You oh, know, it's from Pepe bonkers. the Frog. What? Is yeah, it? this is what it says. Lingualic. Oh no. We don't like him. Nowadays, poggers refers to a specific emoticon available on Twitch, which depicts a surprise-looking Pepe the Frog. The word poggers is used to express excitement during a game when something exciting occurs. This does not tell us anything about the etymology of poggers. <laughs> no. This just says <laughs> no, it exists. It doesn't tell you <laughs> the actual etymology. Lingualic, come on. You need I mean, to get a learned, level of etym online. what oo-oo-woo means. Oh, I love oo-woo. So <laughs> cursed. <laughs> If you want to make anything uncomfortable, you just put oo-woo in. (laughs) For our listeners who don't know what oo-woo means, let's look that up. Is it V-W-V? U-W-U. It's, I think it's like a, (laughs) derives from like a Japanese emoticon. Oh, did you? All right. First of all, does Katamari Damashi, the video game, count as comedy sci-fi? I think it does. (laughs) Because it's about a big space dude who's hilarious. (laughs) It's a comedic speculative fiction premise. But Gal saying uwu reminded me of a time I, this was at Santa Barbara. No, it wasn't at Santa Barbara. It was at UC San Diego when I went to the general store and they had a little food area and I saw dango, which is the Japanese dumplings on a, on a, on a skewer. And I got excited for an embarrassing reason is because I had just been playing Katamari Damashi and in that game, you, you know, you roll up stuff in the world and there's a big like trail of food that you follow and one of them was a whole bunch of these dango sticks. And so I cried out, ooh, Donko, and <laughs> like way too excited, obviously, because i just seen it in a video game that's even dumber. But the woman at the store didn't know this. She was just a Japanese-American girl who then looked at me with clear scorn and said, what are you, some kind of otaku? <laughs> oh, no. And I said, no, I've just been playing this Japanese video game. I mean, 
<laughs> just Making digging it deeper. Much better. I mean, I did uh, buy one. Just, it was good. It was fine. You <laughs> had to after that. I just embarrassed. Not buy one. <laughs> I was already going to buy one, but I just managed to embar- embarrass myself on several levels, and now I tell it to all of you. So would you say that Dongo is poggers? <laughs> yeah, Dongo is poggers. <laughs> Zendaya is Michi. (laughs) Wait, what? What are you saying? Sci-fi nonsense, Gal. It's the future. We're living in the future. You haven't seen Zendaya is Michi? I just got into Timothy Shabadoo. Shabladoo. Timothy Shabladoo? No, that's like a TikTok (laughs) meme. Yeah, I don't know if Zendaya is Michi is sci-fi enough to play as a clip. um, Back to business. Is she any sci-fi yet? Oh, right. She's going to be in the new Dune. Oh, yeah. With Timothy Shabladoo. With Timothy Shabladoo. <laughs> um, I also, speaking of Mel- Melvin Brooks, the producer of Solar Babies, uh, Young Frankenstein is a really good, uh, is a good. Uh, oh, yeah, that absolutely counts. Oh, R.P. Cloris Leachman. Oh, yeah, his name is Melvin. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think, think it was? I don't know. Can Mel be Melby. a other words? What did I just rewatch today? I did watch The Man with the Two Brains, very Steve Martin, but I hope that you can find this clip, Ted. I think it's like 35 minutes into the movie. He's like arguing with the other doctor and he's asking him who's doing the serial killing, who's like injecting them. He goes, the only time doctors should accept deaths is when it's caused at our own incompetence. And I thought that was, that was really funny. Also the bit at the very beginning where he tells this little girl to like go to a phone and give the hospital extremely complicated instructions and... And she recites them back to him perfectly, but then gives her own medical advice, and he yells at her for <laughs> having the wrong advice. I just saw a little bit of the trailer today. I love how 80s comedy trailers are cut, though. Just uh, very long form in a very strange way, and you're like, I don't know what this movie is about at all. <laughs> That's good, right? People don't like it when trailers tell you every... I, I sometimes will read the entire synopsis of a movie before I watch it, so I am not a spoilers person. Okay, like, let me give you a taste of this trailer, though. They're in a car having a conversation about his book and then you're cutting to the like femme fatale lady like murdering an angel fish inside her mansion and yelling at her husband so yeah. those were the two scenes they picked and they're like trailer <laughs> so don't know what this movie's about and there's two brands <laughs> yeah no need i mean i think that's the perfect this is funny right you'd want to see this right <laughs> Kathleen Turner is really good in it. There's some classic misogyny. Um, is this a joke about how the doctors are just shaving her pubic hair uh, during before surgery, before brain surgery, and everybody thinks it's funny? Um, yeah, there's definitely a number of jokes in that film that you feel like oh, we're glad we left that in the '80s, but yeah. A lot of yeah. it still connects. No, it's, it's always pretty a funny. risk when you're watching an older comedy, though. I think you just gotta be like ready for moments like that and be like, all right. You do. You do. And honestly, there's some stuff that doesn't... That, like Ted said, it's okay that we no longer find that funny. Do you guys... I love brain candy. Oh, yeah. So Kids in the Hall were a big deal, and then they got a movie deal, and they did not do well with their Several things deal. went wrong in the production <laughs> of that movie. But yeah, Kids in the Hall is one of my favorite sketch comedy shows brain candy was supposed to be their big movie like that's the kids in the hall movie yes but then 
uh, personality conflicts and then also other stuff. But it's still a funny movie. I think so. Did you guys see it in theaters? Like, was it one of those things where you're, like, amped about it and then, like, disappointed? <laughs> I think it was a little too, too early to see it, yeah. to see oh, it like, okay. when it came out. But I did see a midnight showing of it. That one's about, like, a drug company that, like... Yeah, a guy, a guy who works in... Like the pharmaceutical wing of this company develops an antidepressant that ends up that like takes people to their happiest memory, uh, which for the most part like are terrible yeah, happiest like, yeah. memories. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you know they rush it to market without doing proper testing, and it ends up putting people in comas. So then he has to find they a way just to never come out of their yeah. beautiful memories. He has to find a way to like reinvent sadness. In a way, that is the plot is kind of a Philip K. Dick plot. Yeah. <laughs> It's very Philip K. Dick. But the movie is a kids in the hall. They just take a bunch of digressions and do kids in the hall sketches, pretty much. Yeah, yeah it's what I wonder, because I feel like all their sketches are just like, I, they're good. They're just like, they like play with like really long form jokes and like pushing it too far. So it's like in a movie length, that'd be kind of interesting. Yeah, I can sort of, it is pretty sketchy for like a theatrical comedy. I can see why maybe audiences didn't like that. Like it has definitely has a plot, but mm-hmm. it also feels kind of um episodic almost. Yeah, its preoccupations are very mid nineties, like antidepressants being bad, like marketing being evil. There's like a depressed grunge band. News Radio had a great sci-fi comedy episode. <laughs> the Space Station one? So, News Radio, great sitcom. Not sci-fi. Except every so often, every they, their season finale would just be News Radio, but in a different location. And so, like, one season finale was News Radio, but they're on the Titanic. And then one season finale was News Radio, but they're on a space station. And so, it's just full of dumb sci-fi jokes. Like, like extremely Hitchhiker's Guide style jokes. But it's funny. And the, mm. the whole... I mean, my favorite bit from that episode is... I've watched the series a couple times. R.I.P. Phil Hartman. But there's a great exchange there where Dave Foley and his girlfriend are talking about moving in together. And it's like, ah... And everything is just... There's dumb space puns everywhere. Like, I don't think I'm going to like the space curtains. Well, we should have a different space couch. Oh, it's going to be too cold. We'll just get a new space heater. (laughs) And somehow that led us to having the Joe Rogan experience. Yeah, in that episode, they do an alien parody where Joe Rogan has to hunt down the alien in the air ducts, I think. Or I'm misremembering it. Uh, yeah, Joe Rogan, Andy Dick, the lady from ER, Dave Foley. I was obsessed with Dave Foley. Who took over? John Lovett took over for... Yeah, after Phil Hartman After died. Phil Hartman died. Scarlett, what's another favorite of yours? I like all the... Guardians of the Galaxy. I feel like Marvel's yeah. got that like sci-fi comedy. Yeah, I like the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. They're pretty good. Uh, I like Taika Waititi. I think he's a really good yeah. director. He hasn't. Is he making the next one? Oh yeah, Love and Thunder, the next Thor one. Or well, I guess I guess the Thor he did is kind of a Guardian. Or we did so, Ragnarok, right? Same universe. Yeah, yeah. Ragnarok. yeah. yeah. They're all in the same nice. comedic universe. <laughs> <laughs> And I will pay for every single one. I will sit down and watch it. I don't have. I don't have any either. They are enjoyable to me. I don't have any yeah. deep thoughts on them. I was just listening to this podcast, and they were like, "What's the Marxist perspective on on the Marvel movies?" On the Marvel movies, <laughs> and I was just like, "Because uh, normally I really like these guys, but I'm like, this is." too much for me and i was like trying to, i was like telling brendan and i was like is this like am i supposed to have an opinion on this like like yeah i mean 
I, I think it's bad that like only one thing is being made, but I don't really have much of an opinion. And he was like, you know what? It's okay to not have an opinion on everything. <laughs> and it's like, You're allowed. Okay, good. I don't know if there's really that much to be analyzed at the level of content. I mean, but like you can say the same thing for like every movie that's being made now by big studios is that they're all. Out of curiosity, is it Marxism within the universe or just the idea of big blockbusters being made? I, I don't know. Wasn't, I wasn't <laughs> the you just shut it off. You're like, no. <laughs> I was, Give I was me like... a Marxist reading of the Minions movies. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, those are very popular. Uh, <laughs> no, I'd call I think... those an opiate. I think, think Slavoj Žižek has talked about the minions. Oh, I can hear it right now, so vividly. Minions. Yeah. Oh, I thought uh, unrelated. I'm pivoting right now to my favorite episodes of the X Files, which is a pretty sci-fi show. Are the funny ones? <laughs> Sorry, no, I... I just think it's funny that the X Files is a is a pretty sci-fi show. It's a pretty sci-fi show. Yeah, aliens. Yeah. What do you think that yeah. counts? I don't know. Let's Pretty. what's the Marxist reading of <laughs> <laughs> Oh, let's talk about Crycheck. That's another show I never watched because I was too scared as a kid and then Yeah, it's then... it definitely has some really great horror episodes as well. What are some of the funny ones? The funniest ones are all written by the same guy. There's one X-Files writer who just wrote a few of these episodes and they're just so funny. And one of them, and they're also, they tend to be a little fourth wall-ish in that they're making fun of the tropes of the show itself. But one of them is called Jose Chung's From Outer Space. And that has Charles Nelson Riley as an author named Jose Chung in the book. And he's interviewing Mulder and Scully and then other various people about one of their cases trying to put together what happened. And so it's funny because there's a like, kind of a multiple point of view aspect of it. And then also just it's funny because it's weird and people are making stuff up. Alex Trebek shows up in that episode also. But that is like among many X-File fans or X-Files with a PH as the fandom community is called. Uh <laughs> <laughs> that is consistently a number one episode for many people. And there's another one that was set in a circus, a freak show, sideshow circus in Florida that I guess that's less sci-fi, although it's kind of, I don't know. The guy the guy has a, <laughs> a, a, a twin growing out of him that escapes from his body and kills people and all this stuff. But it's very funny. And uh, Scully eats a cricket in that episode. <laughs> I think I lost the plot on this one. But... <laughs> <laughs> Should we talk about Garth Marenghi's Dark Place? <laughs> Absolutely. That's that's a great, great show. Richard Ayoade, Matt Berry. Matt Berry. Uh, but we're buddies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was probably my first introduction to... Well, no, I had already seen Matt Berry in his smaller role in... Um, Oh, the IT crowd? The IT crowd. No, I don't watch that. Um, too, <laughs> too laugh tracky. Um, but also, he, the guy is a... What's his face is... Uh, is oh, the creator of it? Yeah. Oh, is it. that uh, Graham is it, Linehan? Yeah, as well? yeah, yeah, he's not okay. great. But no, he has a small... He plays the owner of the zoo in um, oh, The Mighty Boosh. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. So I've definitely seen him in that, but Garth Marenghi was the first time where I really like concentrated on the Matt Berry voice that Matt Berry does. The other guy that writes, who plays Garth Marenghi and also writes the show with Richard Iowati is Matthew Holness. This is FYI. a beautiful British comedy show that is set to be an extremely specific parody of like mid-80s hor- horror anthology shows from Britain. Uh, <laughs> so like they use, they do everything they can do to use like the same type of video film stock so that it looks crappy 
and they dub over all the voices uh, poorly, uh, and it's a beautiful work of art, the way they have crafted this show to look as bad as poorly acted and written and uh, sound designed as possible, but it's perfect. It's so good, and it's Just very to, funny. To give you a sense of the show, this is what the character description of Garth Marenghi. Garth Marenghi, author, dreamweaver, visionary, plus actor, played by Matthew Holness, who also plays Dr. Rick Daglas, MD, Dag, is a Vietnam and Falklands War veteran and former warlock. He keeps the Magnum <laughs> Revolver on him at all times. Yeah, and the framing of the show is that he made made this show back in the 80s but it was too revolutionary yeah. and now in the time. like the driest spell in british television history they're bringing it out of the archives with interviews with the original cast there was that other show that came out around the same time that's british with the around this like the same type of people that was like supposed to be a spoof on the si- educational science shows. Oh, look around you look around yeah, you look around that you. one had yeah. peter serfinowitz <laughs> and that's yeah. a great show i think that's that's it's not quite sci-fi, but it's science fiction. It's fiction yeah. about science. <laughs> and it's so funny. Incredibly yeah. Good. Yeah, the, I like the episode about intelligent calcium. <laughs> the Helvetica scenario. Yeah. They're all beautiful. Yeah, it's it's science nonsense done in this very specific 70s British educational programming style. Yeah, Garth Marenghi... It's a different style, definitely, but it's sort of similar to Lost Skeleton and that mm-hmm. it's a very particular kind of stilted dialogue. Really hits the spot, using language in the exact wrong way. Yeah, it's <laughs> I thought we should mention Idiocracy. Oh yeah, I guess Idiocracy and the entirety of Futurama. Idiocracy is Mike Judge, right? Yeah. Yeah, I haven't rewatched that in a long time. I still quote, uh, it's got what plants need. It's got electrolytes <laughs> all the time. That's funny you mentioned that because I have like a part of that movie that I always quote with my family, which is like the Justin Long freak out when he sees the main character doesn't have the tattoo. He's like, why do you have no tattoo? It's just like so good. Or no, why come you have no tattoo? <laughs> Justin Long's stupid doctor character is pretty good. Pretty good performance. You guys remember when Justin Long was in like everything? He had a little moment. Um, he was in Galaxy yeah. Quest, wasn't he? Yeah. yeah. No, he's he a, saves the day character. in Galaxy Quest. Yeah. Then he was in Tusk. <laughs> God, oh. Tusk. I don't even want <laughs> to talk about Tusk. Yeah, speaking <laughs> of comedy. Forget that I mentioned it. <laughs> yeah. Are there, is there a special subgenre of movies made as a joke? <laughs> <laughs> like it was a joke that the movie got made? I mean, that is the origin of that movie. Yeah, it's technically a comedy film. That's what the internet says. Yeah, but <laughs> <laughs> Kevin Smith would like you to think that. Yeah, that's quite the movie. It was a lot. I saw that like completely and alone in a theater in like Times Square with my brother. <laughs> so we're like, oh yeah, Kevin Smith movie. This will be fun. I do have yeah. to say, I've maybe never seen an actor disappear into a role quite as much as Johnny Depp disappears into his cross-eyed Quebecois private eye character. <laughs> like, it's absolutely, it's excruciating to watch him. And oh. his longest scene is like, it's like a not, it's, he's just in a frame that doesn't move for like the longest five minutes of your life. <laughs> it's terrible, but it's sort of impressive. He really commits to this <laughs> stupid, stupid idea. Yeah, this does, it did come from a joke. It was just like him and his producer talking talking on the podcast yeah 
And then the like the free, the main characters in the movie are run this terrible podcast. When are we going to get our movie? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the things that you can do when you we get a sketch every week. Right? I'm yeah. greedy. I need more. <laughs> I need a feature length. Yeah, these are the kinds of success stories that the '90s created. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I like Kevin Smith as a person. I like yeah, him as a vehicle for jorts. He seems. <laughs> <laughs> he seems like a really nice guy. Oh yeah, and that one tweet that was still pretty good. Oh, Kevin. can't read it. What was not, it? We're not talking about the tweet. We we can't bring the tweet up on radio. And I'm just not talking about it in principle. So. Yeah, I guess if you it, Google the Kevin Smith tweet, <laughs> you'll probably get that one. It's been optimized. <laughs> but is I don't it science know anything fiction? about this. Tusk or that tweet? The tweet. <laughs> they exist in the same universe. Hmm. I don't know. What is he is. speculating just... about exactly? <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, gross. <laughs> oh, no. Wait. You can just tell me, right? Or should I look this up? Just look it up. Just look it up. I don't want to read it. One of the first shows that I got really into in like high school, I don't really even know how I got access to it, was Spaced. And that's oh, yeah. like the show that kind of put Simon Pegg, Nick Frost, and Edgar Wright together and like forged what they make now. Shaun of the Dead and what's the oh, other it's one? Actually the interesting you bring that up. Hot Fuzz. Hot Fuzz the World's Hot End. Yeah, so like they, they, that's all from that team and so Spaced was like a British sitcom. Oh, it doesn't matter. Anyway, that's... It, I like Spaced. You should check it yeah, out. Yeah, it's funny. I just rewatched it. it. It holds up. I mean, it's just it's very nerd. It's very like fan, you know, it's, it's, it's a nerd fest. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> Futurama also, I started watching the first season of that again. Holds up. Still funny. I still remember all the jokes. Here's some bad comedy sci-fi. That one that went on that just the Armando Iannucci show, which is really sad, that was on HBO. Avenue 7. Oh my god, it was so bad. Avenue 5? Did you like it, Ted? Uh, I didn't love it, but it had had some good elements to it. Zach Woods is funny in it. Oh, yeah. yeah, I think Hugh Laurie's performance is funny, but no, it's not. I still haven't watched it, but I'd watch it. I think someone I mean, else. I did watch all of said. it, so <laughs> someone else liked it out there, and so I think that's enough for me. That show's okay. And then what's that other one that people like that I'm not really a big fan of? Oroville. Oh, the Orville, uh, Seth MacFarlane's um, uh, Family Guy guy. <laughs> There's a pod canonically in the Star Trek universe. <laughs> is it? Say, so if we're going cartoons, we got to bring up Rick and Morty. For That's comedy true. Sci-fi. Right. Yeah. A little on it's the good, nose, but yeah. I like it. Yeah, it's got a couple of good Zardoz bits. Let's see. How do we end this? <laughs> <laughs> How do we get out? How do we get out? How do we get out? Of I mean, we we never talked about Hitchhiker's guy. Maybe we can be like so long. <laughs> oh, thanks for all the bits. What is there to talk about Hitchhiker's Guide that hasn't already been talked about? Did you guys watch the BBC sitcom? Yeah, I was going to mention the other, another thing that PBS affiliates would often play during fun drives is the BBC miniseries from the 80s. Oh, yeah. um, Which my family definitely had, like, recorded from the fun drive on VHS tapes. And I watched over and over again. If any one thing is most influential to my general sensibility, it's definitely that. I mean, we would also like read the books like around the dinner table. Oh, um, that is <laughs> the sweetest thing yeah. in the world. Like collectively. Yeah, yeah. We'd take turns each 
uh, each day. So yeah, and like the radio scripts as well. We had copies of those and I read those plenty of times. So. Oh yeah, yeah, the BBC oh. radio version is great. Hitchhiker's Guide, I think, is one of the first stories that like woke up anxiety in me. I remember <laughs> reading it as a kid and being like, but when is Earth fix? When is Earth fix? Like the whole time, just being like, when are they going to go back and deal with that? If you've gotten this far into the podcast episode, well, that must mean that you don't find us annoying, which is great. But you did miss out on some pretty cool clips that I personally enjoy. So why don't you head on over to Mixcloud, mixcloud.com, type in Last Refuge the Incompetent, and uh, listen to the show over again. I think you'll like it. And if that's too confusing, just go to lastrefugepod.com, lastrefugepod.com, where all of your questions can be answered. All of them. All of them. Any last last things you wanted to talk about, Scarlet? Comedy and sci-fi. You know, we can't go too deep with it, but it is a is a great pairing. I believe that it just naturally like sci-fi is ridiculous situations, and so. That's what comedy needs. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's got a pretty big library of serious sci-fi, and that's just, that means great. Plenty of things to parody. Plenty of tropes to invert hilariously. One of my complaints sometimes with, like, sci-fi series is when they take themselves too seriously, because you're like, this is ridiculous. There has to be some humor. It doesn't necessarily have to be this is a comedy show, but there has to be some sense of, Yeah, sci-fi series that are just unrelentingly grim are like, now, the level of grimness here is starting to detract from the reality of the universe. Yeah, exactly. Like that German time travel show. It's just (laughs) non-stop grim. Oh, Dark? Is that the one he's here? Yeah. Dark. It's. I love that show, but it's. Come on. Somebody's got to laugh yeah. at some point. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's also kind of what separates Star Trek in the '90s from Star Trek now. Is it super serious now? Yeah. Um. Like you don't get like goofy side episodes where two characters just go on an adventure in the holodeck or something. Yeah. Partially, it's that. Like, it's 13 episodes a season instead of 30 or whatever. But, yeah, it's more centered on this big, dramatic, ridiculous arc and using CGI for big action Maybe that's pieces. why I like the, the funny episodes of The X-Files so much, because they are perfectly contrasting, yeah, the huge, ominous arcs in the rest of the series, and then there's just, like, a, a break where... Everyone is still perfectly in character, but they're thrown into these great situations. Anyway, X Files, favorite show of all time. <laughs> uh, up to season seven. Don't you don't need to watch after that. Yeah. Okay. Good work, guys. We did. We I think we ended on a slightly profound uh, thought. So <laughs> nice job. Thanks for listening. Next week we're gonna do a compilation show, which doesn't mean that we're gonna be repeating anything. That we've already done. It just means we're going to put in stuff that we weren't able to fit in. Clips from movies and interviews with authors. And it's all just a non-conversation stuff. show. <laughs> and then look look out for, I think the week after that is the KCSB Fun Drive. So Support your community radio station. Or su- exactly. if you're not in this community, support someone else's community radio station. <laughs> yeah, if you're listening to this uh, streaming around the world or on a podcast forum, you should check out kcsp 91.9 fm in santa barbara check out our website for links and playlists lastrefugepod.com send us an email moses what's our email oh you gotta you gotta type this out right now get out a pen and paper we're the last refuge of the incompetent gmail.com show us what you got get a pen and paper and type that out (laughs) yeah Yeah. (laughs) that's what i said
Somebody said that. Get out a pen and paper and leave us a voicemail. At, uh, Stab your phone. 805-253-3091. 805-253-3091. I can only assume that you have. we haven't gotten any voicemails is because we're getting too many voicemails. Yeah, they're jamming the system. Yeah, and also at some point there'll be a separate RSS feed for the incompetents. So stay tuned. All right. With a smile on your face, sleep well, incompetents. Science fiction. <laughs>